Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan. It's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade. Hi everyone, thanks so much for being here. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. We have a lot of stuff going on today. A lot of it's in and around me right at 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan. We're across the way is President Trump's place. Okay, his tower and downtown where we keep our courts. That's where he'll be going later. So let's get, we got Alan Dershowitz here, so I don't waste too much time. And Josh Crashauer uh, at the bottom of the hour. Um, and jo- well, actually, well, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West at the bottom of the hour. Uh, so let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Sponsored by Crunch Fitness. Interested in owning your own business in a growing $30 billion industry? Check out Crunch Fitness at crunch.com. Number three. They did exactly what they did in Afghanistan. Uh, they deny and deflect, and then when all else fails, they try and blame someone else. And they said, well, the Chinese weren't getting anything, and we were able to block their communications. Well, then that wasn't true. And it's just, it's a cover-up to one failure after another. And we all lose. We knew it. The China balloon was allowed to crisscross our country, sending real-time intel while it flew back to Beijing. That's the latest reporting, and it's outraged Dems and Republicans alike. On display, the worst foreign policy in American history at a time when we need the best. Number two. What he's basically doing is freezing the field. And no other Democrat can tempt getting in or even tease getting in. Even if his poll numbers continue to crater, no one's going to have the time or resources to really challenge him. And they're talking about Joe Biden, what the Trump legal drama means for 2024, not just the Republican side, but Dems too, as President Biden tries to freeze the field by waiting until the fall to announce. Number one. We're expecting to see him arrive at the Manhattan Criminal Court building sometime around one ahead of that 215 arraignment. We also are not going to be seeing this in real time. That is a new twist that happened last night. The presiding judge ruled that the court proceedings will not be televised, only still photos will be permitted. Yeah, there you go. That's Laura Engel. Uh, She's reporting from in front of Trump Tower, excuse me, in in front of the courthouse. Trump arraigned in New York City. We will have all the action as it unfolds and lay out what we know about the charges and procedures in other cases. Let's bring in Alan Dershowitz, Harvard Law Professor Emeritus uh, and the author of Get Trump, The Threat to Civil Liberties, Due Process and Our Constitutional Rule of Law. Appropriate, uh, especially at this time. Alan, thanks for the quality time. You've been in contact with the president. What do you think his mindset is today? Oh, I think he's very determined to fight back. He wrote me just a nice note as he got on the plane yesterday talking about uh, how he was going to fight back. Your words are very important, he says to me. Save America. Congratulations on the book. Doing really well. So, you know, he has been in a mood of, of fighting back, and he should fight back. Look, you remember, I'm a liberal Democrat. I voted against him. I have a constitutional right to vote against him the third time. People will be shocked to know that I plan to vote for Joe Biden. That has nothing to do with the law. This man is being indicted 
for a crime we haven't seen the indictment, but we essentially know what's in it, that nobody has ever been or ever will be prosecuted again. Here's the government's theory. Here's the state's theory. He pays hush money to make sure nobody learns that he's been accused of having adulterous affair with a porn star. Then, according to Bragg, he has to write on his public forms the actual reason he paid the hush money. I paid the hush money to stop my wife from learning. Nobody in history has ever done that. Nobody in history has ever been indicted for doing that. This is a made-up case by a Democrat who ran for office promising to prevent Trump from becoming president by getting Trump. The title of the book, Get Trump, comes from the campaign pledges of the attorney general and the district attorney. That's not America. That's what Stalin and Lavrenti Beria discussed when the head of the KGB said to Stalin, Show me the man, and I'll find you the crime. That's what Bragg said. 3.30. Show uh, me the man. That's Donald Trump, and now I'll rummage through the books, and I'll find the crime. The only difference is he rummaged, he rummaged, he rummaged. He couldn't find the crime. The feds couldn't find the crime. The previous DA couldn't find the crime. He couldn't find the crime in the beginning when he was DA, and then, according to the New York Times, the pressures on him mounted. He was told he's never going to get reelected unless he gets Trump, so he indicted Trump. What a, a, a miscarriage well, of justice. Well, it's going to be 3.30. We're going to see the DA roughly, uh, Alvin Bragg, give his presser, at which time he's going to expand, if we are right about the reports, on 34 felonies. So they're yeah. talking about not just Michael Cohen, not just Stormy Daniels and uh, McDougal. They're talking about falsifying business records, which I right. imagine they found when they got his taxes, and I imagine they found from the attorney general when she sued him civilly. This is an odd way to approach a criminal case, isn't it? It's a very odd way, and uh, of course any real estate operator is going to uh, overstate the values of his property for purposes of getting loans and understate them for purposes of taxes. That's why banks hire auditors to make sure they do their own independent judgment. But this notion of searching and rummaging, there was a great cartoon that shows Michael Cohn actually seeing with his own eyes Donald Trump tearing the tag off a mattress in 1997. <laughs> and the mattress says tearing this tag constitutes a violation of law. And then they prosecute him for that. Uh, they're searching everything. They're trying to find everything. Justice Jackson, the greatest attorney general in our history, once said any prosecutor can rummage through the hundreds of statutes and regulations and find something, something to pin on somebody. That's what Bragg has done. Maybe they'll come up with something. But if no one else would have been prosecuted for it, that's selective injustice. And, and the other thing, Alan, too, you're the you're the law ex, the legal expert, obviously, but if he was hosting The Apprentice and maybe the spinoff, a Shark Tank spinoff, and never ran for president, nobody would have anything bad to even say about Donald Trump. He'd be at all the parties. He'd be uh, Letitia James would be asking him for donations like Chuck Schumer was. It only changed because he ran as a Republican. He never attacked New York or the attorney general. This is look, I, I don't I get it. I would have been the most popular person on Martha's Vineyard uh, if I hadn't defended President Trump. Nobody talks to me. Nobody talks to my wife. Caroline Kennedy says if she knew I was invited to this dinner party, which she was sitting next to me at, um, she never would have accepted the invitation. If you're Trump, if you're associated with Trump, if you're Trump's lawyer, you're hated and despised. That's why he can't get a fair trial. 
in Manhattan. He has to be moved to Staten Island, Rockland County, or one of the other upstate counties. You imagine a judge coming home to his family and saying, I'm the judge who freed Donald Trump so he can run for president again. What happened to me on Martha's Vineyard is nothing compared to what, what happened to a judge. Judges cannot resist pressure, especially elected judges in New York. Any judge who frees Donald Trump or who finds in favor of him an emotion, his career is over. He'll never get promoted. He'll never get elected again. That's not right. justice. So they're going to make a move. Yeah. They're going to make motions. This is uh, they say they're going to make motions to dismiss the case, motions to remove yeah. the judge, motions to remove Bragg and going to resist a gag order. Break it down. Will they get the dismissal well, of the case? Well, first of all, they'll never get a gag order. If they get a gag order, I've already volunteered to put together the best team of First Amendment lawyers as amicus, curiae, friends of the court, to bring a case to the United States Supreme Court. You cannot stop a presidential candidate from telling me who to vote for. I want to hear from Trump so I can confirm my views that I'm not going to vote for him. And nobody can deny me that right. But gag so order on just the case. Just the case. Yeah. <laughs> nothing's going to happen there. The, the case, the motion to dismiss will be denied. The motion for change of venue has a shot at passing. Um, the motion for statute of limitations, any first-year student should be able to win that one. I mean, two-year statute of limitations on a misdemeanor. They say, oh, they couldn't have arrested him. They couldn't have indicted him because he was out of the state. But they indicted him when he was out of the state. They indicted him when he was in Florida. So they could have indicted him any day over the last seven years. The difference, there are two kinds of motions, and it's important for your listeners to know this. There are certain kinds of motions that can be appealed right away, and that's usually uh, change of venue and statute of limitations. There are others, dismissal, selective prosecution, that have to wait for the conviction to appeal. So if the lawyers are smart, and I think they are, they will focus on motions that if they lose, they can immediately take it to the appellate courts. So... The one thing that you said is uh, statute of limitations, but we don't know yeah. what the falsifying business records are. So no. that would be different. So Stormy Daniels is one thing, but the other stuff that we don't know is key, correct? Yeah, but, but, yeah, that's, but that doesn't extend the statute of limitations for Stormy Daniels. That would mean dismissal for Sam, uh, Stormy Daniels, but maybe not dismissal for okay. uh, business records cases. But the business records case is essentially a civil case. It's being investigated by the Attorney General of New York as a civil case. To turn that into a criminal case would be to end the real estate business of New York. Uh, has there ever been an owner of a major building in New York who hasn't said to his friends or his bankers, oh, this is worth $40, billion, $40 yeah. million, it's only worth $30 million. It's a common thing. That's why banks hire their own auditors. Nobody trusts what a owner of a business at 40 Wall Street values the business at. And then what is the jury going to sit and decide whether that building is worth so-and-so uh, uh, amount of money or so-and-so amount of money? Obviously beyond their expertise. That's why no one has ever prosecuted. And, and by the way, crimes. no bank is complaining. Nobody's saying I never got are, my money. Uh, there are no victims. There are no victims here except the American people and the Constitution. Those are the only victims in this case. So Stormy Daniels isn't a victim. She got paid. Uh, I mean, for, for having sex with voluntary sex with somebody, uh, that's not a victim. Who's uh, the victim? So Joe Tacopino, they there's a big story in Rolling Stone how uh, it looks like the he's not getting along with the other attorneys. They said some disparaging things about his intellect. They said that uh, Joe first, uh, it, you know, that Joe is uh, hard to deal with. They don't like the way he handles himself. And next thing you know, they hire Todd Blanche. Uh, mm -hmm. Todd Blanche will work with Joe Tacopino. 
How unique is it to add an attorney at this critical time? And do you think these attorneys can work together? I guess uh, Susan Nicolese, Nicolese yeah. is also, is yeah. it hard? Yeah. You remember working with the OJ group. Is, oh, uh, yeah. They how were, are they, they going to work impossible. together? They were impossible to work with. Um, you know, F. Lee Bailey was fighting with Bob Shapiro all the time. But there has to be a head of the team. Um, you know, we had a terrific head of the uh, OJ team, and he kept us all together. Uh, this is, you know, it's difficult. High-profile cases, everybody wants to be in the limelight. Um, it's going to be difficult. And um, uh, but and and they need lawyers who can make good motions and argue appeals as well, because this is going to turn largely on legal grounds. Of course, it's going to be important to cross-examine Michael Cohn, but I think any first-year student should be able to cross-examine Michael Cohn uh, pretty effectively, considering his history. But the lawyers will will hopefully put their own egos on hold and decide that the only thing that's important is to win the case on behalf of Donald Trump and on behalf of the Constitution. So I, I hope there'll be good lawyers and responsible lawyers on both sides. That makes for a good trial. Alan Dershowitz wrote, get Trump, the threat to civil liberties due process and our constitutional rule of law. So you, can you give me an idea? So this goes to trial, they say roughly about a year, and by then they're going to have to hell of a time. Uh, if they don't switch the venue, getting a jury. But let's say they get a jury, and let's say the verdict goes against the former president. Can you immediately appeal it, or does he start yeah. serving a sentence? Or does, is... oh, no. There won't be a criminal sentence, probably, and he can appeal it right away. And if there were a criminal sentence, he'd get a stay of it. But this case, if unless it's dismissed on legal issues, and it won't be because no judge in New York has the courage to be the one to free Donald Trump— this case will go through the election period. He will be running for president while on trial, while under indictment. You know, he's going to have to call Benjamin Netanyahu in Israel and figure out how that works because he's serving as prime minister now while under indictment for uh, Mickey Mouse crimes as well. So this has become a worldwide trend. It used to apply only to third world countries. Now it applies in Israel and in the United States, and that's uh, it's a tragedy for both countries that the criminal law is being weaponized for political purposes. It, it does seem like that. And lastly, when you look at the other three cases, I don't know how close you've looked at them. I, uh, oh, I, my book, my book, Get Trump, is all about um, those four. What cases. about the Mar-a-Lago case? And you saw the Washington okay. Post story that said they're trying to get him of obstruction. How he moved his stuff, and they got his valet, they got his lawyer, they made his lawyer. Now they're making that's, the Secret Service testify. What do you think about that, Alan? Right. That's the strongest case legally. But to go after him and to leave alone uh, Joe Biden and uh, Vice President Pence, who also had classified material, is a tough political call. The weakest case is the New York case by far. Um, the uh, case in, in, in uh, Georgia is pretty weak because he said, find, find me, not, not invent, not concoct, find. And the Washington case is very difficult because he said, uh, although the January 6th committee doctored the tape to leave it out, he said, I want you to protest peacefully and patriotically. So the only strong case is Mar-a-Lago. But, you know, he will argue that he declassified and that will become a factual issue to be tried down in Florida, where he's going to get a far more sympathetic jury right. than he would get in Manhattan. Alan, Alan, I'm just stunned as a layman that they would flip my attorney and make my attorney testify against me. And I'd be, you're going to go get the Secret Service. So you've got to learn to live with the Secret Service. Now, yeah. every president, every former president has got to watch himself. Are they going to be well, brought in? Should something happen? No, they shouldn't. There should be some kind of immunity for Secret Service agents and the lawyer. The idea that if you lie to your lawyer, you lose your privilege. 
I've had 250 cases, over 200 of them. My client has looked me in the eye and, and said, I didn't do it. I should win the Nobel Peace Prize. Uh, you know, that's what clients do in the beginning, at least. They, they try to vindicate themselves in the eyes of the lawyer. You know, by the end of the case, they're admitting they did it and they're looking for a plea. But in the beginning, they're always lying to lawyers. And that's very common. Every criminal defense lawyer with experience knows that. And to lose the privilege over that means that you can't have conversations between lawyers and privileges. I have a chapter in, in my book at Trump about the dangers this has posed to lawyers. You know, there's a group called Project 65, which is filing bar charges, including against me, against every lawyer who's had wow. anything to do with Donald Trump. I defended Donald Trump in front of the United States Senate. Uh, I was the oldest American in history ever to do that. I did a great job defending him. And now Project 65 is checking every one of my cases to see it's if they nuts. can find something on me. That's the McCarthyism. It's bad it's for the country. It's McCarthyism of the left. It's bad for the legal profession. It's bad for the country. Gotcha. And it's bad for your Uncle Charlie because he's next. If they go after people, find the crime after you've decided right. who to prosecute, none of us is safe. But it's good for your book because it details something everybody's talking about, Get Trump. Uh, well, if you want to protest, if you want to protest against Bragg, make my book a bestseller. That's uh, the best message you can send him. People care. People are watching. Right. It is a bestseller. Absolutely. keep it up there on the list. Alan thanks. Dershowitz, thanks so much. <laughs> All right, great. Uh, thank you. Appreciate it. 1-866-408-7669. Your calls next. Educating, entertaining, enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. I'm not going to not report the other news because this is totally disproportionate about what's going on. Uh, what's happening with now uh, China, that balloon, what's happening over what's happening in the Middle East. They have now uh, up. The, they have lessened production. Uh, it's now $80 a barrel for oil and gas. Guess who benefits? Saudi Arabia, the Middle East, Iran. And this place called Russia, guess who's going to pay the price for that? The Ukrainians. And guess why? Because we don't produce our own. We've slowed it down. We are not even refilling our reserves, lowest since 1983, depleted by this president because prices of oil and gas were going up too much. But now we have played our last hand. Saudi Arabia is jacking the price up. We have almost no leverage. I want to talk to Lieutenant Colonel Alan West about that and more at the border. Nikki Haley was there yesterday, and she has a border plan. What does the colonel think about that? From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. The first thing I'll tell you is we are a country of law. The second we stop being a country boss, we give up everything this country was founded on. What I saw today was a dereliction of duty. A president has one job, one job, and that's to keep Americans safe. There is nothing that is keeping Americans safe like what we saw today. 
And that was Nikki Haley went down with her plan, got some publicity, not nearly if it wasn't for the Trump trial drama, but she went down there. She understands the issues. She offers solutions. And when you go ahead and say, this is my plan, you get people are going to be critical. I'm fine with that. She wants 25,000 more Border Patrol agents, mandatory E-Verify. So do I. I mean, just to make sure, I got to hire Billy Jones. All right, Billy Jones came over. Billy, you're not a, uh, you're not on any type of program. No one has any, uh, no one has any uh, markings that you're here. You didn't even come in the border. You snuck in. You must be one of those gotaways. I can't hire you. Go get a green card or get out to fund sanctuary cities. I, Trump tried that. No tax dollars to illegal immigrants. Well, tell that to forty thousand illegals in sanctuary cities. It all starts there. Remain in Mexico policy. It's kind of back. Let's get it more. And catch and release, deport instead. Uh, that through Bill Malusian, reported by Nikki Haley. Let's bring in Colonel Alan West. Uh, Colonel, do you, what do you think about Nikki Haley's approach to your border? Uh, good to be with you, Brian. She's absolutely spot on. You know, 1,250 miles of border here in Texas, and that's exactly what we need. We need someone at the federal government level that's going to be serious about it. I watched Alexander Mayorkas on his uh, interview, 60 Minutes, this weekend. He's not serious about what's happening at this border. The drug trafficking crisis, the human sex trafficking crisis, he just calls it a little bit challenging. But I think the other thing we need to add to this is to understand is that we're not dealing with some business organization or, you know, just a bunch of street gangers. We're dealing with a very well-financed, well-organized, well-armed transnational narco-criminal terrorist organization. We need to declare them as such, designate them as such, go after their funding, go after their financing. They're the ones in control of the border and all of those uh, provinces along the border, and we have to take them serious. And I'm talking about the cartels. Yeah, uh, I would think we got to take him serious. But let's talk about Mayorkas, uh, who was on 60 Minutes, and his his refusal to say it's a crisis. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, what, what he says it's an insult to the Border Patrol if you call it a crisis? Are you crazy? Yeah. That's like after a tornado hits your area, rescue workers show up to work hard. If you say we're in crisis, does it insult the rescue workers? He's in, totally disingenuous. Yes, completely disingenuous, and this is intentional, it's purposeful, you know, it goes beyond incompetence. But look, Brian, he's carrying out the orders of this administration. Joe Biden does not care about what is happening. Uh, He does not care about the body bags of Americans that are stacking up because of the fentanyl deaths. I mean, the number one killer of Americans, 18 to 45. He does not care about the human and sex trafficking issues, and Texas is suffering, especially from both of those with the uh, the sex trafficking uh, being the preeminent one uh, here in Dallas and Houston, top two cities in the country for sex trafficking. So we could shut all of this down, but we have to have an administration that's willing to do it. And furthermore, we've got to have some states and some governors that are willing to come together and do what is necessary. It's not happening here in Texas, and with Katie Hobbs out in Arizona, it's definitely not going to happen. You know, we tried to get, the president tried to get those sanctuary cities banned and The courts would not reverse it, which is insane. How dare states decide to welcome illegal immigrants? That should be a federal issue. I want you to hear Mayorkas pretend as if he's on top of things. The chief of the Border Patrol, Raul Ortiz, testified before Congress that some areas of the border are in a crisis situation. Do you agree? I think that we face a very serious challenge in certain parts of the border. Do you view what's happening right now on the border as a crisis? 
I view it as a significant challenge. Why won't you say the word crisis? You know what? Because I have tremendous faith in the people of the Department of Homeland Security. And a crisis uh, speaks to me uh, of a withdrawal uh, from our mission. And we are only putting more force and more energy into it. Are you nuts? In times of crisis, you withdraw? Who, who raised this guy? Well, I don't know, but if you think about it, there is a withdrawal from the mission. And the mission is to protect the sovereignty of the United States of America. That's not being done. Five, six, seven million illegal immigrants. And as you said, we're getting close to two million of those being the gotaways that we're not tracking. And he has told the Border Patrol agents, don't do your job, don't do your mission. He has told ICE, don't do your job, don't do your mission in deporting people. So, yes, he has withdrawn from the mission. And we are in a crisis mode. And when you have a border sector chief that says under sworn testimony, under oath, in front of a congressional hearing, which, of course, Democrats did not attend on the border, that we do not have operational control of our border. What does that tell you, Brian, that we're no different from, you know, being in Afghanistan where the Taliban goes back and forth across the border and they eventually uh, have taken over, retaken that country with the aiding and abetting of the Biden administration? So I want to bring you to this China balloon situation. We all knew that that balloon was going across. So it was a travesty. Should have been stopped in Hawaii. Evidently, the chain of command wasn't effective. Five days later is when the secretary of defense weighs in. Then they had that ridiculous statement that we can't shoot it down over Montana. When both senators and the governor said, are you kidding me? Have you been to Montana? You could you could land a meteor in uh, Montana and just kill Duke Caribou. So that was a lie. Then they go across every single military base and do figure eights in front of some and in real time send back intelligence. John Radcliffe on this. Cut 17. They did exactly what they did in Afghanistan. You know, they they uh, yeah, uh, they deny and deflect. And then when all else fails, they try and blame someone else. So they tried to say, well, we didn't shoot it down because of safety reasons. That wasn't true. Uh, Then they said, well, the Chinese weren't getting anything and we were able to block their communications. Well, then that wasn't true. So then they went to. Well, it happened to the Trump administration, too, and it very clearly did not. <laughs> yes. um, uh, and, and so, you know, they they were intentionally dishonest, as they often have been, unfortunately, when it comes to national security yeah. uh, issues. And it's just it's a cover up to one failure after another. Bat- they're batting, you know, uh, you know, uh, a batting average of zero when it comes to uh, foreign policy successes and standing up to China, Russia, Iran, uh, all of our adversaries. Uh, I mean, with the Belt and Road program is basically taking Pakistan, El Salvador, Cuba, uh, Argentina, uh, about four or five countries in Africa hostage because they need money. They give them money and then they take what they built when they can't make the loan payments. So what do you think about this revelation that NBC came out with? Well, we always knew that was happening, and this whole uh, false narrative from the Chinese saying that this was a wayward weather balloon that blew off coast, uh, off course, you know, a wayward weather balloon does not hover over a military installation. As you just said, cut figure eights into the sky. That means it's being uh, steered. It's being maneuvered. And if it's hovering above a military installation, what's the purpose? Is to gather intelligence. And, of course, we sat and watched it traverse across the entire 
entire United States of America. And the absurdity of saying that we had to shoot it down with a missile, no, you don't. You could have gone with any of our fighter aircraft, which have Gatlin cannons on it, 20 millimeter or 30 millimeter, and poked a couple of holes in this thing and control this rate of descent going down to, to the earth. And yeah, okay, you lose a couple of caribou, maybe a moose here, a moose there. But instead, we have been completely embarrassed, and now China has aerial surveillance of critical uh, strategic military installations in the United States of America. Again, it's another foreign policy faux pas, national security faux pas for the Biden administration. Well, unbelievable. Uh, and also, when Mayorkas came out on the border just lastly and said, I'm not going to build a wall, it's already corroding, yeah. and it's not movable. I mean, I wanted – is this guy out of his mind? Well, no, he's not out of his mind, but this is what happens when you operate in this delusional world uh, where you're trying to make people believe that everything is okay and don't believe your lying eyes. They have to come up with these absurdities. You know, a lot of that uh, material is, is, uh, is corroding because it's sitting on the ground, not the, the, the portions that have been erected. And obstacles, barriers do work. It channels people into areas where you can better control. But right now, we don't have anything. So, uh, uh, again, this administration is unconstitutional, and if you want to talk about high crime and misdemeanor, just look at what the Constitution says about protecting our sovereignty, protecting our border, protecting us from invasion, and this administration is not doing it. Thanks so much, uh, Colonel Allen West. Uh, he is with the American Constitutional Rights Union Executive Director. Appreciate it, Colonel. Thank you, sir. Go get him, Brian. All right, He's you safe go in get New him. York. Uh, yeah, I'm going to try. We'll see if I'll be the one who's safe. One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. We come back. We talk about the case, uh, the Trump case uh, that's going to be, and the arraignment that's taking place downtown. Also, some of the things that could be in that thirty-six count indictment, as well. That's we hear thirty-six counts. Uh, no cameras. I'll give you all the procedures as we know it, and they give you some insight to the other cases, and then also open up to the things that really are affecting us, and that is the price of oil and gas. Many of which you are showing me your bills online, and they have tripled since Joe Biden took office. Don't move. Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. We are eight months away from the first voting taking place, but all signs point to that right now, and the president's getting stronger. I mean, since the word of this, uh, you know, expected indictment, and now it's obviously upon us, came about three weeks ago, his poll numbers, his margin has increased over the Republican primary field, and none of his, none of his opponents or expected opponents are actually attacking him on it. They know, they know what the tea leaves say. The tea leaves say that this is a weaponization of government, and you've got to stand in lockstep, not just with the president, but with the party, against the radical left. And by the way, that was Mark Lauder. Uh, he would uh, put in role with the Pence organization, uh, the uh, I would say then he was with Mike Pence, and then Mike Pence uh, joined the ticket, and he played an important role there. had a couple of positions with the Trump team when he was in the White House. But he said that he knows that the Trump team is capitalizing this pretty well, and they've gotten $8 million, 25%, they say, from new donors. So in that case, he is getting stronger. But in the long term, I think when he gets some real opponents and it gets a little bit closer and the debates get hot, you can easily, if you're Asa Hutchinson, Vivek Ramaswamy, uh, Governor Christie, if you're Nikki Haley, if you're Mike Pence, Mike Pompeo, Tim Scott, 
uh, and Governor DeSantis, at one point you're going to say, how many indictments do you have? How could that be good for the country to have a president who's under indictment like this? And that'll be uh, that'll be a way to score. The other thing I want to do is uh, hold on a second before I get your calls. I'm going through some of your uh, emails to me. Uh, this one is something else. Last night, I'm sure you know, UConn won big over San Diego State. San Diego State had a good story, but they were outclassed. Hurley, a better story, lost six of eight, uh, six or eight games in January, four seed. Uh, they were number one in the country for a while, but they were by far the best team. No one really got close to them. So uh, the day before was a highly rated women's final, which uh, the LSU won. So Jill Biden invited both LSU and Iowa to the White House because it's such an important year for women's sports. Forget it. It was so important. Stop men from competing in them. And then, by the way, just the fact that she would think to do that shows she's not an athlete. And never in the history have they brought the first and second place team in. You have some silver uh, silver medal award winners. That's a little different when it comes to the Olympics. And this is from Randy. Randy writes, this is just another example of everybody gets a trophy, teddy bear. These are the winners and losers in competition, just as there are ups and downs in life. Teaches you life skills to work hard, to be better, and persevere. You don't get any teddy bears for second place, and you don't get to see the president. I agree. Listen, I, I definitely agree. Uh, the other thing I brought up over the, uh, over the, uh, over on TV, uh, the Hurley family. I've read that book. I think it was Gene Wojnarowski that wrote the book on Bobby Hurley, Bobby Hurley Sr. about St. Anthony's uh, in New Jersey, in Jersey City. And basically he turned down so many college jobs because it was such an important job for him to be at this private school and they've won national championships and put all these players into the, into the pros. Uh, but he got them all into, a lot into college. He just cared so much about them. It would be a great movie. But someone just wrote me, Greg just said, Brian, the Hurley family attended and coach said St. Anthony, not St. Anthony's. Really? I had no idea there was a big difference, but I'll just take your word for it. That would be the difference. So uh, that's what happened as sports comes to a close there. We're going to focus now on the NBA playoffs, the hockey playoffs, and the beginning of baseball, which is fine. So just getting back to the document case as we've seen them. Uh, the president's got the January 6th, and he's got the document case in Mar-a-Lago. This guy, Jack Smith, is out of control. He has forced the president's attorney to testify against him. He has forced the president's valet to testify against him. And now the Secret Service has been subpoenaed. They want to see if they could prove an obstruction. Well, wait a second. What about Joe Biden's landscaper? Did we see him load up any boxes into the garage? Did anyone overhear him do that? Should we get his family subpoenaed so they could haul in for the special investigation to find out how the Penn Center got all those documents that were classified? How about the University of Delaware? You took out hundreds of boxes. No classified information on that. I heard, uh, Mr. President, that they raided your lawyer's, your lawyer's office. They walked out with boxes. What about that investigation? Please don't tell me this is balanced. Now, do I think Donald Trump should have taken one paper from the White House? No. Why would you do it? You know they're coming after you. Why would you open yourself up for that? And then when they came for it, you gave away seven, gave them back 17 boxes. But they wanted more, and you didn't give it. And for me, you have an argument there, and here's his argument. Donald Trump talking to Sean Hannity about keeping the records, his records of his time to the White House. Go 15. I would have the right to do that. I would do that. All right, let me move on. Remember this. This is the Presidential Records Act. I have the right to take stuff. Do you know that they ended up paying Richard Nixon, I think, $18 million for what he had? They did the Presidential Records Act. 
I have the right to take stuff. I have the right to look at stuff. I don't know. Uh, classified documents taken out of the building. I'm pretty sure you're not supposed to do that. We'll find out about it. But that's going to be his argument. Not that I didn't have it, but I have a right to take it. So that's the problem. And the critics just line up. Listen to this guy, Chuck Rosenberg, a so-called uh, expert on MSNBC. Cut 16. Mr. Trump, from a prosecutor's perspective, if you're preparing for cross-examination, is a gift that keeps on giving. And so they're going to have to... A lot of a lot of information, a lot of clips, a lot of the things he's said to choose from, whether or not he gets on the stand, whether or not they ever get to use it. We'll save that question for another day. But prosecutors are always collecting a cross-examination file. And Mr. Trump can't help himself. He always talks about Mr. Trump. And that just makes the file bigger and bigger and bigger. Right. It could be, you know, and we have Michael Cohen who never stops talking and keeps on uh, chipping away his credibility. And the one thing that I think a gag order, which they say is not going to happen now, but if it was to happen, I don't think his attorneys would be upset. That means talk about everything. Talk about how you're being persecuted, but don't talk about the cases. That would actually help his legal case. And they wouldn't say, well, I'm going to leave his attorney. They would fine him or put him in jail. So knowing them, they'll put him in jail if he starts talking about the case, what a bad guy the judge is and how terrible Alvin Bragg is. I don't know the judge, but if I'm the judge, you already already presided over the Trump Organization trial, which he lost. You presided over Steve Bannon's private wall funding and uh, Steve Bannon lost. I wouldn't be trying to be part of this. The CFO got tried and the CFO lost. It looks like you're just out there to be a Trump killer. And wouldn't you want the perception of fairness? The perception. Well, we'll make a judgment whether it's fair or not. Listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Go to briankilmeade.com. Write me anytime. I'll get to it. Don't move. News headquarters in New York City. Always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Yeah, just like what the guy with the deep voice says, his 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan, uh, heard around the country, around the world, but most of the world's focus, I mean the world's focus, is in New York City, where uptown, the President of the United States lives in a tower uh, when he wants to. He owns it. And yes, he paid his bills. And now he's going to go downtown. And he's going to be arraigned today. We've never seen that before. Uh, everyone's got an opinion on it. Brian Yenis is outside the courtroom. He's going to be uh, giving us updates. Uh, we'll do a simulcast at Varney and Company. We're going to talk about the impact there on FBN. And Jim Trusty, the president's attorney, focusing on the Mar-a-Lago case, who well, well has his hands in January 6th. He's going to be with us in a matter of moments. So we'll have it all. All the breaking news, the protests that may or may not take place. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. They did exactly what they did in Afghanistan. Uh, they deny and deflect. And then when all else fails, they try and blame someone else. And they said, well, the Chinese weren't getting anything and we were able to block their communications. Well, then that wasn't true. And it's just it's a cover up to one failure after another. And- and yes, that is John Radcliffe, DNI guy. We knew it. The balloon that was going across our country was sending real-time intelligence while it flew over our military bases. That's the latest reporting from NBC. Outraged Democrats and Republicans are demanding explanations as uh, we have the worst foreign policy in American history at a time in which we needed the best. Number two. 
what he's basically doing is freezing the field. And no other Democrat can tempt getting in or even tease getting in. Even if his poll numbers continue to crater, no one's going to have the time or resources to really challenge him. And that's Mark Lauder offering his analysis of Joe Biden waiting till the fall to get in to the race. What the Trump legal drama means for the Republican side, too. Number one. We are expecting to see him arrive at the Manhattan Criminal Court building sometime around one ahead of that 215 arraignment. We also are not going to be seeing this in real time. That is a new twist that happened last night. The presiding judge ruled that the court proceedings will not be televised, only still photos will be permitted. I think only about one still photo is going to be in. Press can go in, but they got to keep their laptops, their iPads, and iPhones outside. Laura Engel reporting from just outside the courtroom moments ago. Trump arraigned in New York City. We'll have the action as it unfolds, and we'll lay out what we know uh, about the charges and procedures. We know that Alvin Bragg will have a chance to really trumpet his case and the indictment at about 3.30 Eastern time. But President of the United States, about 8.15, he thinks, uh, out of LaGuardia, flying back to West Palm Beach, we'll have, uh, we'll have his rally at Mar-a-Lago. Let's bring in, if we can, Jim Trustee, attorney for the president's J6 uh, uh, challenge, as well as the Mar-a-Lago documents issue. Uh, Jim, welcome back. Hey, Brian. How you doing? Hey, Jim, can you tell me an attitude around the Trump team? We get in all different types of reports that he's upset, that he's angry, he's determined. What, do you, what have you noticed about the president, foreign president? I think determined is a good one. Um, you know, look, he, I, he realizes that this is political persecution. He doesn't like going through it. I don't blame him one bit. He's very frustrated with that. But he also kind of immediately focuses out and recognizes this is a real threat to the American criminal justice system. This is a real, you know, I think Mark Levin referred to it as the crossing of the Rubicon. It is. I mean, we're now justifying or allowing the thought of prosecutors who run on the campaign of, I will go after Donald Trump. We're kind of, you know, tacitly accepting that. And we shouldn't as a society. And it really shouldn't break down on political lines, although, of course, it will. But uh, it's, a, it's a new world we're looking at starting today at 2.15. Uh, I think you're right. I, he's got so many different uh, legal teams, but I was shocked, to, not shocked, but a little surprised to find out the eve of the arraignment, there's a change with the legal uh, on the legal front. It turns out they, they did a story of the Rolling Stone, wholly the bastion of conservatism and accuracy. But they say a source familiar with uh, the Trump team and another person close to Trump tell Rolling Stone that a number of Trump's other current uh, current lawyers have privately described Joe Tacopina as dumb as a, and a loudmouth. A third source familiar with the matter calls Tacopina such a blanking idiot. Uh, he was leading the charge to most of the press. And now uh, no one's not necessarily said anything about the intramural uh, warfare, but we do know that Todd Blanche has been added to the team to work with Susan Nicolese as well as Tacopina. What could you tell us about them? Yeah, I mean, not a whole lot, but look, here's, here's the headline of what you just talked about. Todd Blanche. Todd Blanche is a serious, excellent attorney with a fantastic background, a former federal prosecutor like myself. I mean, he's a huge get, a huge addition, and uh, he'll serve the president well. So, you know, that's what I'm excited about. I'm not on the New York team, so I don't know what the personalities are like entirely, but I know Todd, and I know that's a that's a great moment for the president. He'll be aggressive. He'll see things the right way. He'll file legal motions that have some punch. They won't just be for show. They'll be legal. They'll have, uh, you know, a real chance of success. And that's what we need. We need to basically get into the process here and show that Alvin Bragg and his minions 
have done something that's outrageous. It's not just historic. It's unprecedented in all the wrong ways. And I think the more we can get transparency by way of discovery, by way they, the way they conducted themselves in grand jury, um, you know, how they're glossing over using a convicted perjurer. Uh, there's a lot of stuff to look at. I think there's some really good legal motions that will probably flow in short order. And having Todd as a point man is going to be a good thing. Uh, a couple of things. They're going to have a few, some motions. One motion to dismiss. One motion to get rid of the judge. One motion to get rid of it's thought to be you guys. Uh, not you, but the, the New York team. Uh, to get rid of the judge. To get rid of Alvin Breck. And just say this, this can't stand and we, and we should not uh, even have this trial because statute of limitations are done. And it's whatever the causes is. Will any of those motions be successful, do you think? I think there's a real shot, and I'm not confirming all of those. I'm not sure where we stand in terms of the judge, for instance. But <clears throat> let me just say this. I mean, what he's done in reviving this case that's been passed over by federal prosecutors, by his predecessor, and by himself, he's throwing together legal theories that are very frail in terms of the nature of the intent that he has to prove, Straddling misdemeanors into felonies with fel- with federal offenses, which is unheard of, you know. In, in a lot of ways, it, a pretrial motion that just said, you know, dear judge, this case has to go away because Michael Cohen is a horrible witness. That actually doesn't usually win. You don't you don't win factual or credibility disputes right. prior to trial. But there are some solid legal motions that I expect we'll see that are dispositive that have to do with dismissing the case either because of statute of limitations or kind of in tandem with the, uh, the the legal gymnastics they're trying to pursue to even revive this case. So I, I think there's some interesting right. stuff coming that really could cut it long short of any sort of jury trial or issue of uh, judicial recusal. Uh, I'm sure you saw Michael Isikoff's Yahoo report that says, source tells him Trump will not be put in handcuffs, placed in a jail cell, or say have to do a mugshot. Typical procedures, even for a white-collar defendant, until a judge is weighed in. But he did say that he would be charged with 34 felonies, uh, many of which are falsifying business records. So, of course, we know that nothing would have been done had he just hosted The Apprentice and not run for president. But having said that, do you, you don't know what you don't know, right, Jim Trusty? You know, that's always a fair point. I mean, we're speculating about what's been a sealed indictment. You know, again, the rules don't apply to President Trump. Sealed indictments get out. Everybody talks about them. I think we have a pretty good idea just because they've been so transparent and leaky in their grand jury approach that they, that these felonies are, in fact, hidden misdemeanors. It's misdemeanors where they're trying to strap uh, additional criminal intent to it. Uh, again, we'll, we'll be all eyes on this thing when we see it, but we have a decent idea, and what we expect to see is something that's very legally frail. Maybe they'll surprise us. Maybe there'll be some additional chapters of, of legal gymnastics we didn't expect. So we have to reserve judgment, but I think there's a real good chance that the felonies are only there for one reason, which is to try to deny the statute of limitations problem he has with the misdemeanors. The, what is the attorney general suing him for $250 million, and she's going to put that on hold for now? Do you know what that's about? Yeah, it's called political persecution. You know, Letitia James did the same thing that Alvin Bragg did and had maybe some of the same financial benefactors behind her. She announced that if she gets the job as attorney general, she'll go after Donald Trump. And, and you know, that's we're going to lose some of that concern, I think, publicly today because people will focus on the minutia, the procedure, yeah. the circus. But, but the reality is prosecutors announcing that 
is just an absolute travesty. It's a total change in the criminal justice system from following the evidence, starting judiciously, and trying to recognize the rule of law. And now we're going into this, it's okay to target him because it's him. Uh, that's a genie that gets out of the bottle that never goes back. So and let's say, and what about this? You know, let's say this Hunter Biden stuff emerges and Joe Biden's name pops up, like Tony Bobulinski says it will, and the bank records begin to reveal that Joe Biden uh, was conniving as vice president to circumvent the system and do deals with China using his name in his office. And then there's a DA or an AG in, in Iowa. I'm going to sue Joe Biden. And I'm going to sue him. I'm going to I'm going to bring charges up on Joe Biden, whether he's in office or out of office. So as soon as he gets out of office, we're going to sue him. What about if somebody in uh, Indiana wants to do the same thing? The attorney general there, they want to sue Joe Biden, you know, or Bill Clinton. I mean, this is what could be happening. Yeah, well, you know, to me, as somebody who was a prosecutor for 27 years, I've been in the criminal justice system 35 years. All of this is a bit of a reminder of how critically important character is. To our lead prosecutors, you know, to the attorney general, to the attorney generals of states, to even your local DA, there's always going to be room for mischief if we put people in there that are political animals. And and right now, you know, you're right. And, and frankly, there could be very legitimate criminal charges, pay-to-play yeah. scheme charges placed against the Bidens. And now everybody on the other side will say, well, that's just politics. That's the way we do things in this country. We have political persecutors instead of fair-minded prosecutors. So it's a real concern. But, again, a lot of the roads that I look at, because I'm focusing on Mar-a-Lago and January 6th, a lot of the roads lead back to one person, and that's the current attorney general. Uh, he started this process off with an unprecedented press conference, an unethical press conference. And, you know, we, we need him somehow to develop right. the character to uh, to stop this train. And, and same thing goes for the political persecutors in New York and Georgia, frankly. Right. So I'm talking to Jim Trustee, one of the president's attorneys, but he's focusing on Mar-a-Lago. So listen to what the former attorney general, William Barr, said about your case, Jim. I hope they will be. And, and uh, you know, I, as I've said repeatedly, I think the document case is the most serious case. I don't think they went after those documents to get Trump. I think they actually wanted the documents back. And what's at issue in that case is not the taking of the documents, it's what he did after the government sought them and subpoenaed them and whether there was any obstruction. And I think that's the most serious one out there. And uh, uh, the other one, I think, the January 6th one, is a difficult case uh, to make, and it also runs into First Amendment issues, you know. Where are you going to draw the line between legitimate First Amendment activity, protesting an election, and actually conspiring to undo an election? So. That's a difficult case to make, but um, I'm, you know, I'm hopeful the department will approach it properly. So, you, do you have the same concern about the case that you're in? And they are looking. They, they, they had a, uh, your Corcoran before the president. One of the president's attorneys forced to testify. Did he obstruct? We don't know what he said behind closed doors. Which is to me, I never even heard of attorney being uh, testifying against their client. And now we find out the Secret Service is going to be subpoenaed to find out what they saw. I thought the Secret Service was part of almost like part of the family that they they were sacrosanct. But now they're going to find out and they're talking to valets and everybody else around Mar-a-Lago. What could you tell us? Yeah, well, you're putting your finger on some good stuff, which is prosecutorial overreaching. You know, there, there are there's a saying that I, I love, which is the law can the law permits much that wisdom condemns as folly. And what it means is, you know, not everything that's wrong is illegal. 
So there's a lot of things that the DOJ is doing in their investigation that may not be illegal, but it is immoral or outrageous or heavy-handed. Um, they've brought every, you know, they, they bring witnesses up from Florida on a minute's notice. They try to separate them from their attorneys. They don't respect any sort of privilege for President Trump, whether it's executive privilege or attorney-client privilege. I wouldn't say Corcoran testified against his client. He was compelled to testify under an extremely unusual scenario uh, where attorney-client privilege is, is vitiated. Do you know how that went? Uh, Did he tell you how that went? Sure. Yeah, I do, but uh, not not for public consumption, unfortunately. Okay. And that's part of it too. Is you know, DOJ and and uh, the FBI, and I'm not sure kind of exactly where the blame lies between them or together. They are constantly leaking things to their favorite mouthpieces, like the Washington Post and the New York Times. They're constantly leaking stuff that's out of context. It's unfair. And even Bill Barr's comments to start this segment, you know, where he says he's worried about obstruction. That's a creature, not of Bill Barr knowing what you know specifics about the investigation, but just reading the public airwaves. And there's a an absolute obsession from this investigation to suggest that President Trump somehow obstructed justice, which on the inside we think is actually laughable. But you know that he obstructed justice, and therefore he's really different than this lovely old uncle up in Delaware who happened to hold on to things for decades. And so, you know, that's the distinction they're trying to draw publicly. It fails when you really know the evidence. It fails when you recognize that they're overreaching to the point of trying to intimidate witnesses through the airwaves. And uh, it's very frustrating. So to go to your, your other basic point, we absolutely take Mar-a-Lago seriously. We take J6 seriously. We even take a Georgia phone call seriously. Not because they're real cases or that they should ever be brought, but because, you know, we're, we're the guards. We're the lawyers that have to try to, you know, prepare for the worst and strategize and fight back when we can fight back. Do, do you expect an indictment? I know you don't think he's going to be found guilty, but do you expect an indictment to come down? Because that's really out of your hands. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I'm not going to comment on that. I mean, all I can tell you is that his team is working around the clock to uh, to get some truth out there in terms of what exactly is happening with this DOJ in particular. You know, I don't have a whole lot of insight on the Georgia matter, but on the DOJ side, you know, that's a place I was at home with for 17 years. And I've seen things that I've never expected to see. So we're looking right now for kind of gotcha. our best options to make some of that more public. A lot of it's sealed, but a lot of it's not. And we're going to have uh, to find a way to get kind of a, an avenue to get the truth out there. Focus on New York. It'll soon be on Mar-a-Lago. Uh, Jim Trustee, thanks so much. All right, Brian. Good talking to you, man. He's got a rich background, but he's also currently an attorney for uh, President Donald Trump. Uh, in about 10 minutes, we're going out to the courthouse with Brian Yenis. Next, your calls. Brian Kilmeade Show. Newsmakers and newsbreakers. Hear it first on the Brian Kilmeade Show. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. That is, uh, of course, very appropriate today, not only because it's April 4th, because this commemorates the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr., a huge loss for this country, commemorated accurately, and uh, I think, uh, for his life and, and what, he's, uh, what he lived for. He was all about coming together uh, and an iconic figure, and some lunatic takes him out, 
So I just think on this day we should recognize that. And I just don't know how much his message is endorsed uh, in the African-American community today. I wish it would be. We should talk more about coming together and less about everybody's differences. When we come back, we go downtown New York City. Brian Yenis is going to be with us. And Brian Yenis is going to break down what's happening. I'm watching some of the video right now. There is some crowd. There are some crowds building up around the courthouse. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene is is there. We understand. I saw George Santos there too. A lot holding signs. So uh, hopefully everyone's smart enough to keep it peaceful because the NYP will not take any guff, and they've been empowered by their mayor at least for one day. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, we got to find out what's latest. We know the president of the United States is going to be arranged today. He's going to be leaving. Uh, we think uh, shortly leaving uh, Trump Tower. He's going to be heading down to the courthouse where he's going to be arraigned. they got a whole uh, timetable there, but we'll see what happens. You do want to be on time when it comes to court. Uh, but in terms of the, we know this for sure, at 3.30 uh, D.A. Bragg is going to have his press conference at 815 roughly tonight at Mar-a-Lago. The president's going to have his retort. We know in about 45 minutes the president's going to depart Trump Tower. And about 120, he should be arrived at 100 Center Street, which is exactly roughly where we have Brian Yenis, Fox News' premier national correspondent. Brian, what do you see around you right now compared to yesterday? Hey, Brian. Good morning. Well, it's night and day compared to what it's been like here for the last couple of weeks. That's because we've got probably double or triple more media than we've had over the last couple of weeks. And we've got two sets of protesters. Uh, there's the Trump rally, the pro-Trump rally that Marjorie Taylor Greene, the Republican congresswoman, is headlining. It seems as though she has arrived here. We're seeing a scrum of media that is rough over to one side of the park outside the court. And then on the other side, you've got about a couple dozen, maybe actually maybe 50 or so, anti-Trump protesters who are yelling, lock him up. So that's the situation here. It's not unruly. It is peaceful. A uh, ton of media. And uh, as we prepare, really, outside of uh, 120, 107th Street here, like the Manhattan from the courthouse, for uh, the former president to arrive. So how many would you say are the, tr- the pro-Trump people? And is Marjorie Taylor Greene there? I saw George Santos yeah. walking around. Yeah, so Representative George Santos was here, and essentially he was walking around and kind of pushed out from the, by the press. He kind of made his way out. I don't know if he's made his way back in. I'm looking right now. I would say... Honestly, it's a more pro-Trump people, but there's not. We're talking about a couple hundred people out here uh, overall. I would say. Well, uh, we'll see. So, where do you expect the president to enter from? Yeah, it's a good question. We uh, we expect him to enter from Hogan Street on the side. That is where the DA Alvin Bragg has been coming in every single day. That's the side entrance into the building, um, and you know because DA office is inside of the courthouse. Uh, it is possible, though, you know, he can come out, I guess, wherever he wants to come out. Maybe he could decide to come out right in the, in the main entrance or exit of the courthouse where all the media is set up with their tents. I mean, I guess that could be possible, but I'm sure that uh, Secret Service will, will make that determination. But uh, we're prepared. There are cameras on all different sides of this courthouse to try to capture him. We, we obviously know, you know, Judge Juan Merchan decided that cameras would not be allowed inside the courtroom. We know Trump's legal team opposed that, but there will be a camera outside, a few cameras, full cameras outside of the courthouse in the hallway. 
So that is where we expect reportedly former President Trump to make comments as he's going inside the courtroom and perhaps as he's coming out. That is what's being reported, that he's expected to make some comments there. Um, and so that'll be incredibly fascinating uh, to see what he says going in and coming out. Yeah, I, the word is, though, he's more likely going to be departing Trump Tower around 1 o'clock to arrive at 1.30. Uh, the, the way they have listed it, maybe you wanted to spell this, five pool photographers uh, will get inside the courtroom, but video cameras will be confined to the hallways and reporters will be barred from bringing in as much as laptop uh, or uh, iPad or, or iPhones. That, according to the, to the judge, Juan Merchant, who uh, he decided that late on Monday. So when the president will not be put in cuffs and he will not have a mugshot taken, he'll be kept in an office. He won't be kept in, uh, in a prison area. But when he comes to plead and goes in front of the judge, do you think that – will you be in the court there, Brian? Will you be inside? Yeah. So, unfortunately, unfortunately, obviously, we're 24 hours. So, in situations like this, while all that's happening, I'll probably be on TV, which means I won't be inside. But I will tell you, we have, obviously, producers, Jake Gibson and Maria Pranish, who have been in line here since 2.30 p.m. yesterday. There was a line of journalists to try to get a ticket to go inside. And so, people who got a green ticket will be able to sit inside the courtroom to witness history firsthand. Those who have a white ticket will be in a holding room uh, where they will be able to witness um, what happens in the courtroom. And at that moment, after the the hearing, uh, people will then, you know, get on their phones uh, and immediately tell us or come running outside the courthouse and tell us uh, what happened. I expect to speak to Jay Gibson and interview him probably to get a sense of of everything. You know, look, this is such a highly choreographed and controlled environment for both sides. You know, you can understand why D.A. Alvin Bragg is choreographing this for his own purposes. He's going to have that press conference to describe everything that's in the indictment and, and the case that they are making against him, but also for the former president. Everything that he's going to say before he enters that courtroom and out of the courtroom, you know, he can control. If there aren't any video cameras inside to see it happening live, you know, it'll be interesting to see how it's described by all all different sides that, that view and witness this thing. I mean, everything from the way he looks, does he smirk, does he smile, all of that is going to be up to the interpretation of right. journalists who are inside and the photographers who manage to you know, snap some photos. Uh, Brian Yannis is outside the courtroom. He's giving us the very latest. I see somebody thinks they're a referee and keeps blowing a whistle. That couldn't be more annoying. Uh, the New York Times said <laughs> Trump advisors have been trying to impress on the president the need to avoid rousing his supporters in a way that leads to any violence. Uh, people close to the president trying to get that through. Also, if the president wants to comment, he might do it because he could be leaving the courtroom, Brian, and not be able to. They might put a gag order on him, and that risk would be a fine in prison. You know, this is an interesting thing that's been brought up. It, it, is, it is serious in the sense that a gag order, according to Trump's own legal team, would just be, quote, insane and unprecedented given the fact that he's the leading Republican candidate. But you also have to look at the flip side of this, is that the former president has taken a truth social and has completely denounced the judge and even his own family this morning as just Trump-hating people uh, that are stacked against him. Um, and obviously we've, we've talked about the fact that he you know, used the word animal to describe Alvin Bragg, and there was the photo with the bat and, and all of that. And and so you can understand, perhaps, maybe this is in the realm of possibility, but from what we understand from his legal team, they don't expect it at all. They think it would be insane, given the fact that, you know, former, the former president hasn't defended himself. 
um, when this is obviously going to be something that's going to be lobbed at him and continues to be lobbed at him um, while he makes his case to the American people. But it is, you know, do I expect the judge, perhaps, Brian, to admonish the former president? Maybe. I mean, look, his lawyers are being careful. Joe Sacapina and others have not gone out and, and talked badly about uh, the judge as being biased or anything like that. I think that's strategic and probably the smart thing to do, given the fact that, you know, this judge um, will be handing out, will be handling everything. He's going to decide what motions move through, what, you know, and, and how this thing moves. So uh, we, we'll see how that relationship is and what Judge right. Juan Merchan decides to tell him. Uh, we're talking to Brian Yannis outside the courtroom. Brian, the president put this on Truth Social when Yahoo, Michael Isikoff, got the fact that he claims that there are 35, 34 felony accounts that he'll be charged with uh, falsifying business records. So along with whatever the McDougal case, the uh, Stormy Daniels case, whatever Michael Cohen brings, they got uh, separate things on falsifying business documents. You have to feel it emerged from one of the 22 long sessions that Michael Cohen had with investigators over the course of the last six years. But when the president heard about that, he put on Truth Social, wow, D.A. Bragg just illegally leaked the various points and complete information of the pathetic indictment against me. I know the reporter, and so unfortunately does he. This means that he must immediately uh, immediately indicted. Now, if he wants to really clean up for his reputation, he'll do the honorable thing as D.A. and indict himself. He will go down in judicial history, and his Trump-hating wife will be, I am sure, very proud of him. So do you think the, the attorney general will, uh, the DA will indict himself? <laughs> no, I do not. The DA will not indict himself. As much as the former president would love to see that happen today, uh, that will not happen. But this will be a victory parade for the DA. Look, if you go on the official website for DA Alvin Bragg, his official profile list the accomplishments that he's had in going after. He bragged about going after the Trump organization and having secured a six-count indictment against Stephen Bannon and also securing conviction against the CFO, the, Trump, the former CFO of the Trump organization, uh, Mr. Weisselberg, on 15 felony counts of tax evasion. So you better believe this is something that he campaigned on. He's going to take his victory lap at 3.30. Now, the only disadvantage for him now is that now the former president will know exactly what the indictment will say. Now the legal team will know what the indictment says and the world. So, you know, for so long, this process has been controlled by the DA, and that has been his advantage to the frustration of the former president and his team. These leaks come out to the New York Times and others, and they've been able to control this narrative. But when this indictment is unsealed and the world can see it for themselves, um, then the public will judge. And, I, you know, Barring a gag order, you better believe the former president will have a lot to say about it uh, in the hallways of the courthouse and uh, tonight. And, Brian, before I let you go, for my listeners at home uh, who are not in New York City and ones that are not in uh, or in and around this area, could you describe what you're seeing? Yeah. So what we're seeing right now is there is a small park outside of the courthouse. There are pro uh, anti-Trump protesters with a sign that say, finally Trump arrested and locked Donald Trump up, lock him up. And then there's pro-Trump rally. Folks, you've got the Trump 2020 uh, Make America Great flag up and, uh, and and American flags up on the other side. Right. And it is a peaceful situation. And you've got the media focus in the zoo as we await gotcha. for him to arrive. Brian, thanks so much, Brian. Appreciate it. Uh, stay safe and uh, make sure that guy with the drum goes home quickly. Brian Yenis, thanks so much. Uh, back with uh, Stuart Varney and more, and then we'll take your calls. Brian Kilmeade Show. 
It's Brian Kilmeade. Now, the Brian Kilmeade Show joins Fox Business's Varney and Company with Stuart Varney, live on your radio and on Fox Business. Here's Brian Kilmeade. All right, you're about to see me on Fox Business, and you're watching Fox Nation. You're saying, isn't that enough? Yes, it is. But uh, once a week, we do a simulcast with Stuart Varney. And afterwards, as you know, we can sneak in some calls at the back end, 1-866-408-7669. As you do know, too, these, the Final Four is now done. The, the final games for the men and women are now complete. We'll talk a little bit about sports here uh, and some of the controversy. Believe it or not, that with the women's side, not the men's side. And we'll talk about that. Uh, and we'll do that with Stuart Varney. But right now, let's listen in. All right, Brian, it's getting rowdy down there. Uh, what do you think happens if former President Trump comes out of that courtroom after his arraignment and makes some comments? Because he might do that. What do you think happens? Well, I think if he wants to be sure, maybe he does it before. Because if he walks out and gets a gag order from the judge, which we yep. hear they're tending to not say that, the, the conventional wisdom is he won't get that, he's a candidate, wouldn't make much sense. But although I think his attorneys might like that, they wouldn't have to comment on the case. It might make it easier for him. But maybe he says, listen, I better talk before because I wouldn't have a chance to get in detail because there's a chance to control the narrative. Now, I do think that he might do that. He might do that. But I also think that the NYPD is so much better than the Capitol Police. And they've been warned. And there's everyone's in uniform. They know how to separate a crowd. They know how to line them up. They have people, I believe, infiltrated in the pro-Trump crowd and the anti-Trump crowd. I witnessed that on Long Island with the DeSantis appearance over the weekend. They don't just wait and see what happens. They're in there. So they're here listening. They're finding out. Also, they're monitoring social media. So there's got to be some organization behind it. Conventional social media is the way to do it. And I don't think there's a lot of Trump fans in New York City. So that right. means, as Eric Sean pointed out, you got to come in pay a toll. Then you got to park, $75. Then you got to get out of the car. You might get a little hungry, $75 for a tuna sandwich. Uh, and then uh, $55 for a egg. Uh, and then $20 for a coffee. After a while, you're like, was this really worth it? Fair point. Fair point indeed. Uh, I just wonder who, who win, wins politically if there is violence today. And if Trump is shouted down when he comes out, who, who wins? Does Trump win out of this or do the Democrats win out of this? I, I just can't tell. Well, you're in the business network and you know that he's got eight million dollars raised since the indictment was handed True. down, handed up. And, you know, also that 25 percent of these donors are first time supporters. And, you know, that the conventional wisdom is rallying around him on the Republican side. I mean, we're not saying they're going to vote for him. But most people in this case specifically, until Alvin Bragg gets to tell his story, I think, at 3.30 today, yep. which I'm sure it will persuade some people. There will be some surprise in the indictment. But for mm -hmm. the most part, Stuart, this is what drives me crazy. You know, a lot of people you know buy towers or build, uh, build infrastructure. I don't. But when you do that, you got to buy or borrow off properties. you got to go overseas. you got to do this. you gotta, you got to kind of move things around. you got to maybe overvalue something, undervalue something else when taxes come up. That happens on a small basis if you have a small ranch on a, when it comes to taxes, when you grieve them, as opposed to inflate them when you go to sell your house. If they went, in, they went into Trump's background to try to find something wrong, nobody was complaining. No True. bank was saying no I was victim. stiffed. No, no construction company says he didn't pay me. These people right. went out and said, I'm going to go find something. And, and next thing you know, they're going to say there's going to be a D, uh, an, AG, uh, an AG 
in Indiana and goes, I'm going to find something on Biden. I bet you there's something out there on Clinton. Maybe there's something on Obama. And we're going to go back and forth like this. I think it's yep. just the beginning. It's a sad day for America because we've politicized the judicial system. I'm going to really change the subject because I want your opinion on this. 9.9 uh, million people tuned in to watch the women's NCAA basketball finals over the weekend. Coming up in July, we've got the Women's World Cup, which always rates very yep. well. Looks to me like women's sports are gaining real traction this year. Huge interest coming in. What say you? I'm big, I've always been a big fan of women's sports, especially with two daughters playing college soccer. I've had a chance to watch them play three sports through they were 14, 15 years old. And I coached it too. So you don't have to sell me. I need women to watch women. I ah, need, I need four women to yes. say, I'm going to the sports bar tonight because UConn is playing against South Carolina. Yep. That's what I need because I'm in. You're in. You show yep. me a good game. There's yep. no sexism there. Chris Everett, yep. Martina Navratilova, I'm watching. Yep. You show, yeah. sell me that Steffi Graf is playing I'm, uh, against Martina Hingis. I'm watching. Sell me uh, Mia Hamm. I'm watching. Yep. We have no bias. You've got to sell you, this game. As you watch and everybody else watches, the ratings go up and so does the money. It pours into women's sports. That's what's happening now. Absolutely. Good. Good stuff, Brian. Thanks very much. Thank See you, you later. All right. Uh, thanks ahead. so much, Stuart. one 866 We've got a couple of minutes on the other end, but we were talking about security in New York City. Here's what Eric Adams said yesterday. Cut to. Although we have no specific threats, people like Marjorie Taylor Greene, who is known to spread mis misinformation and hate speech, uh, she stated she's coming to town. While you're in town, be on your best behavior. As always, we would not allow violence or vandalism of any kind. Okay, number one, uh, Mr. Mayor, I'm in this city. We're seeing violence all the time. One of the most dangerous things you could do is wait for a subway on the track. So you can't act like if Marjorie Taylor Greene comes to town from North Carolina, all hell's going to break loose. Yes, the, the blonde woman who happens to have a title called Congresswoman, you should give some respect if she was saying, yeah, Eric Adams, not, you know, I'm going to tell him I'm coming to town, I'd say that'd be disrespectful, too. She earned that title, earned it twice. And then I think Eric Adams, the mayor, is doing what, and I said this to uh, one of the great uh, morning talk show hosts in the country, Sid Rosenberg, this morning. Sam Huff of the Giants and Redskins wanted to, was a great player. But he knew that if he could somehow build up a rivalry with the best running back ever, Jim Brown, he'd become even more famous and raise his profile. So he used to always say, I'm going to stop Jim Brown. I'm the guy to stop Jim Brown. And next thing you know, they both created, he created a rivalry between them. And Jim Brown saying, I don't even know. I don't know anything about Sam Huff. He can't stop me. Or maybe he can. But where did this rivalry come from? I think Mayor Adams sees Marjorie Taylor Greene on 60 Minutes, sees the fame she's getting. And he wants to be the law and order guy to rein her in. What do you think about my theory? BrianKillMe.com. Write me. News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan. It's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here. 1 866 408 7669. We'll be taking your calls and also welcoming in Carl Rove in a matter of moments, as well as Brooke Singman. 
Uh, Brooke has been a uh, Trump insider for a long time. Fox News digital political reporter breaks so much news. We thought it would be great as we await all the uh, all the antics and all the insight from what's happening downtown and what's happening from Trump Tower. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. They did exactly what they did in Afghanistan. Uh, they deny and deflect, and then when all else fails, they try and blame someone else. And they said, well, the Chinese weren't getting anything, and we were able to block their communications. Well, then that wasn't true. And it's just, it's a cover-up to one failure after another. There you go. We knew it. The China, the China balloon was allowed to cross our country and was sending real-time intel while it flew. That's the latest report. It's outraged Dems and Republicans alike. On display, the worst foreign policy in American history at a time when we need the best. Number two. What he's basically doing is freezing the field. And no other Democrat can tempt getting in or even tease getting in. Even if his poll numbers continue to crater, no one's going to have the time or resources to really challenge him. There you go, Mark Lauder. What the what the Trump legal drama means for the 2024 race, not just the Republican side, but the Dems too, as President Biden tries to freeze the field, I think, and wait until fall to announce. Number one. We're expecting to see him arrive at the Manhattan Criminal Court building sometime around one ahead of that 215 arraignment. We also are not going to be seeing this in real time. That is a new twist that happened last night. The presiding judge ruled that the court proceedings will not be televised, only still photos will be permitted. Uh, And there you go. Uh, Laura Engel, the latest, as Trump is arraigned in New York City in about two hours. We'll have the action as it unfolds and we'll lay out what we know about the charges and the procedures. Call Rove. Uh, welcome. This is a, one of those days where it's really like no other as the president of the United States in about 90 minutes is going to make his way in downtown New York City. The protests have been quiet. They've been impactful, though. Uh, it's causing a lot of chaos and there's a ton of media. What do you think is at stake for the president today? Well, I mean, this is a very unusual day for our country. And, um, you know, he's going to be indicted, formally charged. And, um, the, the one of two things is going to happen. Either the uh, DA of Manhattan is going to show his cards and people are going to say there's some serious evidence against the former president that he has committed acts worthy of being indicted and uh, felonious acts. Or they're going to say, you know what, this is a stretch. And what's interesting to me is you take Jonathan Turley, who's basically a political uh, professor of law, who says this doesn't look uh, serious, and it looks like a stretch, and it looks like it's political. You have David French, conservative uh, lawyer, deeply involved in religious liberty cases, a guy that I enormously respect, who's not a fan of Trump, who says this doesn't look like it's worthy of being uh, acted upon, and it's a stretch. And if it's a, and, and the underlying legal theories are novel, and 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 and, and, and given that you shouldn't indict. And then you have Andrew McCarthy, who I know you know well and I know well, who I have enormous respect for his legal talent, who says uh, that this, this is a very bad case. You do not charge the former president of the United States with something less than a you know, completely saucered and blown serious matter. And to claim that, uh, that what was a misdemeanor where the statute of limitations is run and the only way you can get it into court is to claim that the $130,000 payment to Stormy uh, Daniels was a, was a violation of federal campaign law. 
Well, that is a very strange thing to to, to allege. So he's raised about $8 million already since the indictment came down. 25%, they say, is from new donors in particular. You have people like Jeb Bush also weighing in, says this was political. You know what bothers me most, uh, and Carl, just for example, they decided that they're going to look into his business records. And they came up with a million-dollar fine and found him uh, guilty on something civilly. He took the fifth for whatever reason, um, the presumption of innocence, but he decided not to take the fifth. They're using some of that, and now they're evidently in some of the felony charges. They're going to say it's uh, falsifying business records. I, when you do international business in Saudi Arabia, in Scotland, when you're uh, buying golf courses in Westchester and the Bronx— you're and you have a tower named after you and one in Chicago too. There's going to be complicated f- fiscal transactions. Nobody was complaining. They just decided we're going to look into this. And what's stopping the next person from running and looking into it that might have complicated or uh, of uh, you know tax returns? Well, I'd say two things. One is the DA of Manhattan won the Democratic primary and thence the general election on an anti-Donald Trump platform. So he came into office with a bias. And second of all, his predecessor, respected uh, respected DA for many years, Cyrus Vance, he looked into this and decided not to prosecute. This is a very, this is going down a very dangerous path. That's not to say that a former elected official shouldn't be held to account like everybody else, but if you pick out somebody who held who held formerly held office, particularly the office of President of the United States, and demonstrate that you are politically opposed to them and look like you are stretching the law in order to punish your political opponent. That is not good for the American system. That is not good for our system of law. It's not good for our democracy. Right. It's not good for our political system. And it is sets a dangerous precedent. That's not to say anybody should be above the law. But if you're going to go after the former president of the United States, it better be for good reason, with strong evidence for something that people really care about. Look, uh, you know, remember when the United States Congress went after Bill Clinton for having an affair with an intern? And remember how many Democrats said that was a private consensual thing and it wasn't worthy? Well, the American people decided. They decided in 1998 by punishing the Republicans at the polls, saying you overreached. They're, 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 this this is going to damage the Democrats if 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 this turns out to be a nothing burger. It's gonna it's gonna it's gonna help Donald Trump inside the Republican primary. No ifs ands or buts about it. It's not going to help him in the general election because even at the end of it, people are going to be sitting there saying, "Well, they shouldn't have charged him with uh, with with a crime, but he did pay one hundred and thirty thousand dollars." To it, to you know, a porn star for for allegedly having an affair and in, in order to keep her quiet about it during a political campaign or to keep his wife from finding out about it, that ain't going to help him in the general election. In the primary, it, this this is going to seek to you know is going to act to rally people around him and for good reason. It looks political and it stinks. And it's a huge distraction. We have some real issues uh, going on right now, and that is uh, Saudi Arabia has decided. I think I'm going to up the price of oil. I'm going to less. I'm going to cut back on production. the The U.S. has not increased in, or re, restocked their oil reserves uh, lowest since 1983 that they replenished. And for some reason, this president doesn't feel it's in our best interest to replenish that stock. That is dangerous. That's against American people. And now we're going to help. Russia finance a war against Ukraine and Saudi Arabia uh, uh, work b- more with China. And it's yeah, incredible it, that we're doing this. 
And the president could have said, I'm going to remove the regulatory obstacles to allowing infrastructure projects in in, in our in oil country to allow us to bring to produce more oil and natural gas and bring it to market safer and easier and less costly. He, he could be doing he could have been doing things for the last two years, last three years almost, that would be bringing down the price of energy that the American consumer is paying when they pay their utility bill and when they fill up their car. But no, no, he's often doing other things. And then then, then he sends his his uh, Homeland Security secretary on 60 Minutes on the weekend who refuses to say there's a crisis at the border and says everything's okay. Don't worry about all those people pouring across our southern border. I mean, we they face big issues as a country. And this is a distraction. And it, and it gives – it's not only a distraction from the Republican presidential contest because it's going to focus everything on Donald Trump. It's not only a it's not only a distraction from the big problems our country faces, but it's a distraction from the failings of the current administration. What have we, really remember when inflation was supposed to be transitory and gone long before now? And we face a very tough series of challenges as a country, and and now we're being distracted by the DA of Manhattan filing charges against the former president of the United States for business records. And when he finishes this thing, if he doesn't get – if he is not convinced the, the American public that this was worth doing, this is going to be a real problem for our country for years years to come. And I'll tell you this. I am not in support. The president's got to play a perfect game. He knew there was going to be targeted after, especially after January 6th. And all those paperwork ends up in Mar-a-Lago. He gives up 17 boxes right away, and then we know the back and forth that happened ever since. They've come back. Now they've interviewed his attorney – um, um, they, uh, Kevin Corcoran, Cochran, uh, Kevin Cochran. Yeah. and they, they've made him, uh, they subpoenaed him. They, so he has got to turn on his client theoretically. Then they just said, okay, we need secret service. They're going to be subpoenaed. We need to talk to you and his valet. This guy, Jack Smith is going after him in a way I didn't think was possible or legal, even though they say it is the judge has said you can go do it. The aggression in which they're going after the president, knowing the current president also has a huge classified document issue. We know nothing about what they took from his his lawyer's office over, I think, in Boston. They knew nothing about what he took from the University of Delaware, just dozens of boxes. And we don't know really the contents of any of the classified material that's been confirmed. So what's going on here? Well, look, this is, this is where distinctions matter, and I'm, I have a slight dis- difference. President Trump deliberately took material from the White House that he should not have taken, boxes upon boxes of it. The National Archives and Records Act of 1978 said he shouldn't have taken a single document out of the White House, and he took boxes. For a year, the government said, give them back, give them back, give them back. And a year, they gave back uh, 15 boxes of material in which there were over 100 pieces of classified information. They ask for a, for everything else to be turned back. In June of 20, uh, 2022, the president's lawyers say we have given back everything, and we give you an official statement stipulating we've had a diligent search. Now, we now know from the valet, apparently, and probably from Secret Service, that classified documents remained at Mar-a-Lago and that the president knew about them. And that, that's, that is a problem because that's obstructing justice. You have been subpoenaed. You've been served with papers. You have said that you've given everything back. You've given an admission that you've given everything back. And there was evidence enough to convince a judge 
that they had to be able to search Mar-a-Lago, and they found 103 classified documents. Now, the valet is being is being uh, brought forward. Molly Michaels, his assistant, her emails apparently contain evidence. And I think the reason that they have the Secret Service agents there are that Secret Service has no statutory responsibility for the maintenance and upkeep of classified documents, but they are sworn federal law enforcement officers. And if they saw classified documents, they had a responsibility to report it to the officials who do have a statutory responsibility, which is the FBI Counterterrorism Division, which is why the head of it shows up in June of 2022 and says, will you please secure these boxes? And are you sure you've given us everything that was classified? Now, that's different than Biden because Biden has not obstructed. But Biden may have lied because in the Biden secret in the, in the Biden classified documents are documents that was that, that he saw and received as a member of the United States Senate. And when you exit a skiff, a secure facility where you've been looking at, at classified material, you were asked by a representative of the intelligence community, Senator, are you clean? Which means have you left all of the documents in the room? And he had to have said at some time, yes, but then how did these classified documents from his Senate years end up either at the Biden Center in Washington, D.C., or in a box in his garage next to his Corvette in, in Delaware? We don't know. But, but the, these are different things, but they're going to be conflated in the minds of the American people as being one and the same, one being a careless handling of classified materials and the other one a right. deliberate attempt over a two-year period to hold on to classified documents that should never have left the White House on Jan- and on, oh, I, I like to, noon on January 20th of 2021 detail, at all. The detail is amazing. Uh, there's nobody like you. But I'm going to add something to this. Uh, Jim Trustee was on with me about an hour ago. He's handling the documents case in the J6 case. He's one of the members of the, uh, the Trump team on that. And he said that we have a, we have a major problem with the Washington Post story. Uh, so they have, a, they have a point of view on that. And he seems very yeah. confident. So I, I'd be very curious to see maybe off the record I could have a conversation. But aren't you amazed, Carl, at another level? I want you first. So here's what the president, when asked about this from Sean Hannity, said. Cut 15. I would have the right to do that. Right. I would do that. Be All right, let me wrong. move on. Let me remember it. this. Yeah. This is the Presidential Records Act. I have the right to take stuff. Do you know that they ended up paying Richard Nixon, I think, $18 million for what he had? They did the Presidential Records Act. I have the right to take stuff. I have the right to look at stuff. Do you agree? No, he has a right to look at things, but he has no right. Read, read the statute itself. The National Archives and Record Act of 1978 says any document created in a White House belongs to the people of the United States and is their property, not the property of the president. Look, when I left the White House, I was a White House employee. I wanted to take I wanted a copy of my schedule. I had to ask for one. It had to then be reviewed. Seven years of my calendar had to be reviewed to make certain there was nothing in there that, right. that was classified. And then I was given a copy. So he had every right to say, you know what, I'd like to t- I'd like some copies, but, but he had to request them. Okay. Yeah. Real, real quick, I did, tell you. But, but I would say the Washington Post story has this detailed account from Jack Smith, the investigator's perspective. Can I see the, can I see the Joe Biden account? Have you heard anything from the Biden yeah, leaks no. in the investigation? Well, and, and there's a separate U.S. attorney on that. But look, again, we don't know where those leaks came from. We don't know if the leaks came from Jack Smith or whether they came from and, and, and from from uh, Team Trump. We don't know where they came from. Well, wow. we have we uh, have but, a logic. But, we have a logic, Gene. Uh, yeah, we do. Carl, yeah. Carl, thanks so much. 
I appreciate all right. it. All the best. Uh, he's the best. one 866 I'm going to go uh, inside the Trump camp in just a moment, but your call's next. Giving you everything you need to know. You're with Brian Kilmeade. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. This is historic and we have to cover it. But my God, right? you know, there's nothing relevant or historic about the trip on the LIE. You know, or on the on the on the right. uh, you know in from LaGuardia, the the movements are not part of the story. They are uh, they're they're just us kind of when we do this. It's just us kind of filling time in a way uh, that uh, benefits Trump and, and doesn't it exalts him in a way like makes him into mm-hmm. a king. Well, that's MSNBC's John Howman hates Trump, despises him, and he pointed out, and we didn't do it; they did it. They had Trump's plane in West Palm Beach, Trump waiting on the tarmac to take off, Trump landing at LaGuardia, Trump disembarking, getting in a car, waiting in lights as he went to LA, coming back to Trump Tower, going into Trump Tower. There's Trump Tower. Let's stand outside Trump Tower. Let's see if the protests happen. Let's see if supporters show up. Let's wait all night and speculate on how guilty Trump is. That's what they did. They are desperate to get ratings. Instead of just doing, you know, staying with, I don't know, your... What you believe? Tell me how great Joe Biden's doing. I'm sure you got some great policies to trumpet, right? Why not bring that up? Oh, wait a second. There are none. You got that Chinese balloon story. Turns out as dangerous as anything they've ever done. And we let it fly. So they don't want to talk about that. But Donald Trump on some type of financial crime. That's great. Your choice. Brooke Singman next. We'll go inside the Trump camp. What's the president, former president thinking now? That makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. What's going to happen today is completely routine. It's just an arraignment. And as court proceedings go, rather uninteresting. You show up on time. The judge comes out on the bench. The charges are unsealed. The judge advises the defendant, in this case, Mr. Trump, of what the charges are. That's probably when we're going to learn it, too. And then it's rather quick. He sets bond. In this case, I'm imagining that Mr. Trump will be released on personal recognizance. And the judge might set some other dates for motions or a status hearing, maybe even a trial date. Well, trial date, that would be interesting. And that was Chuck Rosenberg on another network uh, giving speculation how it's going to go today. But there are some things that we don't know about. What about the motions that are going to be set forward? Are any going to be granted? Uh, they're going to push the judge, try to push the judge out, perhaps. I don't know. It depends on who is taking the lead. With Trump's defense, because he just added a new attorney. To me, there's a lot of intrigue today. And there's a big crowd outside the courthouse. They seem to be calm. And there's a crowd outside Trump Tower. Brooke uh, Singman has been really marshalling a lot of the original news coming out of the Trump camp for the past two, three years. Fox News digital political reporter. Uh, Brooke is now in studio. Brooke, great to see you. Hey, Brian. Thanks for having me. You've been up since 2.30 working this story (laughs) and been doing it like crazy. Um, before Trump left LaGuardia, uh, for LaGuardia Airport yesterday, would you describe the mood in camp? 
I think the Trump campaign is really excited right now about one thing, and that's about the amount of money that they have been able to raise since Thursday when the indictment news came out. I mean, the Trump campaign has raised $8 million since Thursday. And I mean, they're not excited about an indictment. They're not excited that the president, for the first time in American history, President Trump is going to be the first president arrested and arraigned in a courtroom. But they are campaigning off of this right now. So $8 million in, in less than a week for this campaign for 2024. He is the leading Republican candidate right now. And so right now they're using this case to campaign. He was uh, being told by his people, I understand, that he was not going to get indicted. That, you know, Alvin Bragg was scared off by the backlash he got about the prospect of an indictment coming down. But then when everyone was surprised Friday when it came across, can you describe what it was like in Trump camp? Who was telling him? Don't worry about it. I mean, even as a reporter, just having covered these hush money payments and this Manhattan DA investigation, which opened in 2019, I was surprised. Um, I mean, when when you look at the timing of these hush money payments, which Manhattan D.A. Alvin Bragg was investigating, those took place in 2016. The statute of limitations has run out on on those payments. Mm -hmm. But I spoke with a few legal experts and they have said, you know, if these hush money payments are what Trump is being charged with, I mean, just to remind the listeners, the indictment is under seal right now. We don't know what the charges are. We won't know until you know, the president, the former president is out of court today. But legal experts have said if this these charges are related to these hush money payments, the statute of limitations is nearly running out because Michael Cohen, Trump's former lawyer, made the final payment to Stormy Daniels in 2017, which means that would have been part of a 2018 tax record, which means five years felony. Right. What are we two weeks out from that? So I don't I don't know what um, the former president's legal team was telling him in the days leading up to the indictment. But I really do think that um, just my take is I think they were surprised by this. Um, the, this is what Michael Isikoff is reporting, that there are 34 felony accounts uh, for falsifying business records. Was that discovered in the civil trial? You got to wonder which you would think that a criminal trial would go before a civil trial, but it seems like they're just fishing. Hey, this guy's got a bunch of businesses, golf courses around the world, uh, hotels and buildings. There's got to be something. But no, it's so, what's so odd for me is nobody's complaining. I mean, TD Bank, City, uh, Citigroup, they're not saying Trump didn't pay me back. There's no construction company saying this guy hasn't honored his commitment. They're sure. saying you overvalued your property to got something that you completed that's now flourishing. Excuse me? I mean, since when is that an attack plan? Right. I, I mean, again, we don't know. And yes, Yahoo's been reporting these 34 felony charges or felony counts, but we don't know if they're felony counts. We don't. We have no idea right now even how many counts there are because, again, that indictment is under seal. And these reports are just coming out from, from leaks. I don't know where those leaks are coming from, Manhattan DA's office, the grand jury. We don't know. So I want to be careful to talk about those charges because so we don't, don't know what they don't, are. You don't believe it. You don't necessarily believe what Isikoff's reporting. I don't not believe him. I just like to be really careful with it. So I think we have to wait um, to see, and we just have a few hours until we get the real facts out of this. Right. We know this, that Alvin Bragg is going to speak at 3.30, and that will be the, his first chance to get aggressive. And I imagine he's going to be, that this has been going on for so long, and he's going to pretend as if politics isn't involved. We know a recent CNN poll for all, the, uh, for all intents and purposes, 76%, even though over 60% believe he did something wrong, 76% say they believe politics involved. I don't know anybody who thinks politics is not involved. It's actually got people like... Big uh, anti-Trumpers who voted for impeachment like Bill Cassidy, uh, Senator Bill Cassidy of Louisiana, Jeb Bush, who we know is probably the least uh, 
the least of a Trump supporter you'll ever meet in your life. They said this looks political. I'm not sure about the other indictments. I mean, we'll see. He only has been indicted once, of course. Um, but, you know, it could happen. Right. I mean, the thing is, as former President Trump, his whole presidency was clouded by investigations. It was the Trump Russia investigation. Then it was, you know, impeachment number one. Then the Democrats in the House wanted his tax returns. Then it was impeachment number two. Then he was investigated. Now he's being investigated, not only as part of this Manhattan District Attorney investigation, but don't forget, New York Attorney General, state charges, um, Letitia James is investigating him as well for his business and his business deals. Then you have a special counsel appointed investigating him for alleged mishandling of classified records, a special counsel investigating him for his alleged involvement in January 6th, and you have a Georgia grand jury investigating him as well. So investigations, nothing new for the former president. A lot of people say those investigations, all of them have been political. So it'll be interesting to see how Bragg can defend himself against those those claims of you might not know the answer to this. I hear that Truth Social is doing well, and I hear they had this back. And then I see this big story today that the president lost $800 million on it. So I see two different things. One, it's been a boon. Another, it's been obviously a bust where people are hesitant and uh, users aren't exactly what they thought they'd be. And one of the things that hurt him, ironically, is that he went back. They made him eligible to go back on Twitter, and people fear that might invest that he's going to go back on Twitter. That would the president needs as much money as possible. Right. Right. I mean, I did speak with with Trump back in the spring when Elon Musk made it clear that maybe he would allow him to come back on Twitter. And he told me and he's told me repeatedly he will not go back on Twitter. He will stay on Truth Social, his own Truth Social platform, which he uses a lot. I mean, just so you know, just an hour ago, he um, he said that he wants to move this case to Staten Island. He thinks that he's in a very unfair venue here in Manhattan. He thinks he would be in a better, more fair courtroom in, in Staten an island so we'll see but he um you know he uses this truth social account just like he used to use his twitter i think there's even a little more space for him to um to put his his messages out in terms of character count but um you know well, this Devin- has been a boon for truth social because oh, everybody right. wants to report this story obviously they're desperate to get ratings trump is ratings because right. they like to criticize him but now they say that they're going to have some motions motion to dismiss the case motions to remove the judge motions to remove bragg Motions to make sure there's not a gag order. If right. there is one, they're going to push to push back on it. Any of these less or more likely? I mean, it's unclear. Again, we just have to see what happens today. I know that that one of Trump's defense lawyers, Joe Tacopina, said that he will plead not guilty to these charges. Um, you know, I don't I don't know what what they will motion for, but. In terms of of dismissing the case, I think Trump even used his truth social yesterday to say that Bragg should indict himself for leaking details of right. this indictment. I'm pretty sure that's going to happen. In terms of a gag order, exactly. <laughs> In terms of a gag order, I mean, we don't know if the judge is going to place a gag order over the former president. It would be unprecedented. Jim Jordan and, and James Comer in the House of Representatives today called and, and, you know, a possible gag order over the former president um, unconstitutional. So we'll see if there is a gag order placed on the president. That doesn't mean he can't go out and speak about other things. He is campaigning. He is the 2024 Republican frontrunner. He's supposed to make a speech tonight at Mar-a-Lago around 8, 815. Even if there is a gag order, he can give that speech. If there's a gag right. order, he can't talk about the case. If there's no gag order, he can use this to campaign. Right. I, I actually I'm, I'm in the minority that I believe a gag order would actually help his case. It lets the lawyers do their job. And the minute he criticizes the judge or the DA or says something about what happened in the event or or makes a derogatory remark about Stormy Daniels, I don't think – I don't know how that works. 
for him, it just it's venting. David Schoen was an attorney for the president during one of his impeachments. He said this last night about what likely has happened shortly. Cut five. There are three motions they should file immediately after the arraignment. One is a motion to dismiss on statute of limitations ground. Very interesting arguments there. Uh, one would be a motion to dismiss and disqualify uh, District Attorney Bragg, I think, based on his campaign statements, specifically targeting President Trump and promising to convict him when he wasn't even under investigation. And third, I would personally move to recuse the judge. I think that there's uh, monkey business going on with the, judge, with the judge shopping process, and I have an historic uh, basis for making that claim. Uh, but we'll see. I don't think it's coincidental that he was a judge on the Trump Organization case and the Bannon case <laughs> and now this case. And they, in the past, have acknowledged the practice of judge shopping. And they, they have a CFO at Rikers Island, 75 years old, right. uh, for tax evasion, things like using company funds to pay for his granddaughter's private school. Mm-hmm. You're talking about $20,000 or $40,000, which is insane. Usually that would be a fine if that was discovered. It wasn't discovered until the House or the the, the, the AG decides they need to have his tax records, and this exposes all these things. Yeah, that's Alan Weisselberg you're talking about, right, from yep. the Trump Organization. That's the only other charge out of this this years-long Manhattan DA investigation. So, yeah, it is interesting. It's the same trial judge that's, that's overseeing and presiding over Trump's case. Um, uh, we'll see. I think that the I think that the Trump defense team will pull out all the stops here. Um, so we'll see what what they do. He that lawyer, uh, Mr. Schoen, makes great points and we'll see what they actually do today. I would love to see what Trump does, because if he talks before that, would, geez, he might want to talk before in case the judge wants to do the gag order and their appeal fails. Exactly. And then there's talking after and people have to wonder Wait a second. If I talk after, they'll know what the indictment is. There'll be some flurry around it. There's an unknown. There's a risk. I'm on the courthouse steps. I'm taking and people start shouting questions about one of the 36 counts that nobody knew about mm-hmm. that came out. So to me, maybe speaking before, if he was going to do what makes sense. He also loves the dramatic moment, even if it's something as perilous as this. Don't you agree? I mean, he he is a he's a celebrity. I mean, this is the former host of The Apprentice. This is how people grew up with with Donald Trump as as Mr. New York, Mr. Apprentice. And now, you know, president of the United States, he is arguably the most famous man in the world. I think everybody in this country at least watched a video of his plane flying from Palm Beach to LaGuardia yesterday. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think that the attention on him in the last few days because of this indictment is bad for him right now. I mean, like like we've been saying, he's using this as of now, at least for 2024 campaigning, eight million dollars in less than a week raised because of this. All right. By the way, protesters are getting physical outside the New York City courthouse. We don't know how physical, but that is now the lead story on on Fox News dot com. Uh, Brooke, thanks so much for joining us. I appreciate it. Brooke Singman, uh, Fox News digital political reporters all over the Trump team. And we'll see what happens today. Do you think uh, tonight, around 8.15, do you think the president will be the only one speaking? Will it have more of a rallying cry or will it be a typical campaign speech? I feel like, you know what, it depends on that gag order, of course. But I think he'll be the only one speaking. And I think he's going to get up there and project strength. I think that's the, that's the move. At the end of the day, yes, he's been indicted. Yes, he will have been will have surrendered to the Manhattan DA, will have been arraigned in court. But He's already been impeached once, impeached twice, under investigation a million times. This is, yes, this is the formal charge. This is what, you know, 
his his um, the people that have been against him have been waiting for for all of these years. But for him, I wonder if he feels any differently um, today than than in the past. He constantly is under attack. He's constantly the target of these investigations. So I wonder how he will be this evening. I don't think you can expect him, whether there's a gag order or not, to be um, to be timid in his in his remarks. But he did look rattled, in my opinion, talking to Hannity. Yeah, I, I did think I, I see the wear and tear, but really for the first time. And at the end of the day, he is strong, but he's a right. person. He's a human being. He's and got like four legal teams working around them, all wanting to get yeah. paid a lot of money. And then he's got to make sure that revenue is coming in. Uh, Brooke Singman, thanks so much. You do incredible stuff. And we're all we all we have very similar hours. I'm watching <laughs> you come in, getting ready for my show. Brooke, <laughs> thanks. thanks. Thanks, Brian. All right. And she'll have a late night tonight. Uh, Brooke, thank you. Back with uh, your calls and thoughts in just a moment. And we'll hopefully go outside Trump Tower to find out if it's getting also physical out there. Brian Kilmeade Show. Expanding your knowledge base. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. The worrisome thing about all this is that if you have a huge uh, segment of the American public believing that there really are two, two, uh, two tiered justice, a two tiered system of justice in which unfavored people get to get the shaft and everybody else gets away, um, that's problematic and terribly divisive and very bad for the country. And that's what he's worried about. He's worried about what this what's going to be for the country. And I'm telling you, there's going to be a DNA in Indiana when things start emerging about these bank records and being bigger than Tony Bobolinsky. And evidently, Joe Biden, as other people, Joe Biden's son, have partners with the Biden family who, by the way, with the Biden family, they want to come out and talk. So you know what Tony Bobolinsky said? People ignored. We didn't. So if they come out and talk and say, listen, I feel terrible, Devin Archer. Uh, Rob Walker, and they come out and just say, I don't want to get in trouble. This is what he's doing. I was just doing my job. I was trying to make some money. The Biden family said this thing was done. I don't, you know, I don't know what's illegal and what's not, but what if a DA just says, listen, President of the United States got a huge problem with this. He is sacrificing the sanctity of the country, the safety and security of my people in Indiana. I'm going to sue. He's breaking the law of financial crimes. I believe that by being soft on China because of the business deals he cut, we're going to sue. And you might say, well, that's unfounded, that's unwarranted, it'll probably go nowhere. How's that help the country? They're just obsessed. Trump was, President Trump, I thought, was extremely unlikely to get the nomination. It was going to be a dogfight all the way through. If this continues, and it becomes very apparent that this is politics, and we'll know a lot at 3.30 today, not just what's in the indictment, but when Bragg speaks, when he speaks at 3.30, Hopefully the story won't be outside the courthouse. We hear it's getting rough outside the courthouse. I don't know how rough, but cops are everywhere, and I'm thoroughly convinced the NYPD can handle it. Thoroughly. There's nobody better. The problem is they've been handcuffed, pun intended, uh, from doing their job. So if you just let them do their job, things don't don't become the story outside with riots like January 6th, and I don't think it's going to be. And it just becomes Bragg telling his story. And then MSNBC and CNN will have something to go with besides speculation. And then Trump ends the night with his rally at 830. If the wind's at his back now and then they were able to somehow win the argument on the documents case, the January 6th case, and I do believe the Georgia case, 
you're going to have a guy that's not going to be beatable to get the nomination, but Carl Rove and others speculate, how's he possibly going to win the general? Because who are you winning over to get the moderate vote? Who would Democrats are going to just bail? It's going to be interesting. Keep it right here. We're going to stay all over this as it happens, as it unfolds. Uh, New York is the center of attention again. Donald Trump, uh, again, is going to be heading downtown shortly when he wants. We hear in about an hour. Uh, he'll be arraigned. He'll be what, relatively routine. And then there'll be nothing routine about what happens next. Thanks so much for keeping it here. Brian Kilmeade The Will Cain Show is now dropping five episodes a week. Join Fox and Friends weekend host Will Cain as he tackles the latest headlines from his unique perspective, along with thought-provoking interviews with leading figures and live calls from viewers and listeners. Listen wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.